Today's scripture is from Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed into him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha, come, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Amy. Grace and peace to you this morning. Okay, if you were stranded on a desert island and could only bring 10 books with you, which ones would you choose? Okay, I'm changing the question. Now you can only bring five books with you. Which ones make the cut? You know what, actually, you can only bring one. Which four are you discarding? Chances are you've asked these questions before and played this game. Why do you think we do that? Why do you think we we play this game? What does it tell us about ourselves that we spend our free time making one another 
order and rank the things we love? Like, why is it insufficient for us to say, I love a lot of books. Here's why. Why do we insist on pitting them against each other to see which one is the ultimate survivor, like putting bugs into a jar and shaking it and hoping they'll fight? I have, in my personal life, I don't have one best friend. I have two best friends. And when I talk about this to people, it's the same thing. But Joel, which one is really your best friend? Well, they both are. But if you had to pick just one, <laughs> it's like, listen, buddy. I don't know if you've noticed, but nobody's actually making me choose. <laughs> Nobody is actually taking you to a deserted island. <laughs> and yet people still want to know. There's an assumption that a lot of folks made when the Bible was being written, and it's an assumption that we make today, too. And that's this. At the end of the day, there just isn't enough to go around. Resources are scarce. Some will have and some will not have. There's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. You can only have one book on your island and you can only have one best friend. Think about what happens to your motivation if that's what you believe to be true about the world. If we think more than anything else that there isn't enough to go around, then our goal is to preserve and hold on to as much as we can. And if we see our neighbor gaining something, that probably means our loss. <laughs> if they succeed at something, that means our failure. If there can only be one at the end of the day, then it's either us or it's them. And I've got to tell you, this way of thinking, a way we're all guilty of falling into, does a lot of damage. So one of my peer colleagues was just offered a book contract. 33 years old, and she's publishing a book. It's amazing. And when I found out this news, I thought, well, no one's ever offered me a book contract. <laughs> and suddenly, I felt really bad about my life. I moped around my house until I realized three things. First, I don't actually want to write a book. <laughs> like, that's not going to bring me joy. <laughs> Second, my life is really awesome as it is, and why would I choose to feel bad about it? And finally, how pathetic was it that I took something beautiful in my friend's life as an attack on my own life? I missed out on an invitation to celebrate with my friend and to be thankful for my own life. 
because I assumed that there wasn't enough to go around, I saw her gain as my loss. The Bible gives us a different story today and a different way of seeing the world. It's a story of God's healing power coming in to smash the notions we cling to about their needing to be winners and losers and to put an end to our worrying about whether or not there will be enough. It opens with Jesus being begged to heal a young girl, the daughter of one of the leaders of the synagogue. Surely, we think as we read, if there is anyone deserving of Jesus' time and healing, it is her. Her father is pious and devoted to God. Her family is well-respected and beloved in the community. And so we as readers are glad when Jesus goes along with them to the house. But just then, another character emerges. And she's different. She's a woman. She's bleeding. She was likely regarded as unclean and certainly regarded as poor. Let's just say that if this woman were a book, she probably would not make it to that town's desert island. Unlike Jairus, the synagogue leader, this woman doesn't think to follow the rules and ask Jesus for a favor. She doesn't ask Jesus for anything. She just goes in and takes it. She senses that Jesus has the power to heal, and so she is bold and brash and out of order when she reaches out and touches the hem of Jesus' garment. And then scripture says the words that make our hearts sink a little bit. Power had gone forth from him. Jesus is sapped. He's empty. He's not, after all, able to heal the girl that we've been rooting for. And so she dies. All of his healing power has been used up by this woman who didn't even ask for his permission. Now, if we're thinking that there isn't enough to go around, if that's guiding our reading, we're going to get mad at this unnamed woman in the story. She cut in line, especially ahead of someone who was more deserving and who was playing by the rules. We might miss in our outrage that this woman happened to be healed of a 12-year ailment, a fact that should make us rejoice. But when we think that there's only so much of Jesus to go around, and he should only be saving his help for those who deserve it the most, we're not able to rejoice in this woman's healing. She got the book contract, and we're upset about it. Man, when we think that way, I don't really have other words to say this with, but you got to repent and believe in the gospel. <laughs> because there is al always, 
always more than enough of Jesus to go around. Jesus is always there for those who play by the rules and for those who break them. The whole point of Jesus is that he's there for people whether or not they've done anything to deserve his grace. And in fact, if you think you deserve it, then it's not even grace anymore. So yes, when this woman touches Jesus, Jesus' power to heal goes out from him. But that shouldn't worry us. Because Jesus' healing power is not like other things in this world. Giving it away doesn't make it go away. Giving it out merely spreads it. And the healing spreads faster and takes hold more quickly than germs or rumors. It's God's healing that is contagious. Putting God's healing into the world, it's not like spending down your cash reserves where there's less of it at the end than there was when you started. The great mystery of God's healing love is this. It doesn't take, it doesn't deplete, it generates, it multiplies, it bears fruit. Never on our own time, never in the places we'd expect, but always somewhere for the good of the world. No love that you put into the world no healing that you work in your own lives or this community is ever wasted in God's economy. God's healing word, according to the prophet Isaiah, is like rain that comes down from heaven to water the earth, rain that will not return back up to heaven until it has made seeds sprout to become bread to feed hungry people. God's healing does not worry whether or not there is enough, for it comes from God, and God is the endless source of all that is. So Jesus gives his healing away to this woman, but then, in the mystery of God's logic, he catches it back. He catches it back from her again. This happens when she looks at Jesus' face and dares to tell her story, the story of desperation and pain, the hope she had, the risks she took, the rules she broke. And Jesus hears this story, and he is changed because of it. Could it be that it is this woman's boldness that gives Jesus the boldness to walk into Jairus' daughter's room and say, the child is not dead, but sleeping? Could it be that this woman's disregard for rules and boundaries is what gave Jesus the audacity to march right through the boundary between this life and the next when he took that 12-year-old girl by the hand and said, little girl, get up? That wouldn't be so much of a surprise to me. Healing is contagious, 
And God does have a habit of taking things and multiplying them. When you do God's work in the world, it doesn't feel like you're whittling down your choices for a desert island, ranking them and eliminating them until there's only one winner. No, God doesn't do winners and losers. God only does grace. There is no desert island with God, only overflowing, everlasting, inexhaustible, abundant love. And because of God's love, there is a place for you here. Because of God's love, there is always room for one more. Because of God's love, there is and always will be enough to go around for us all. Amen.